Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, a tough, tough loss up in Baltimore. The Dolphins fall to the Ravens, a blowout 56-19. to We'll talk about the key moments, the five takeaways. We'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel and quarterback Tua Tungavailoa from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Before we get into any of the stats from the game, let's go ahead and start with Mike McDaniel, who when asked about the Bradley Chubb injury and gave a very insightful answer in response to the decision to have Bradley Chubb in the game at that time and the desire for guys to be able to get the reps that they wanted late. All the guys that were in the game wanted to be in the game to hopefully finish out with a better taste in their mouth, as Coach McDaniel described it. Didn't want to play the whole audio for you guys. But this is the back part of his answer, talking about the Bradley Chubb injury. And it just kind of, I guess, 30,000-foot view right now of the football team and the focus where it already is. The players uh, didn't see the results of the game looking looking the way it did. Um, And... You know, they're, they were hungry to get right, and it didn't work out for us. But, um, you know, at the same time, it's, it's not you – to, you have to – you know, it, right now a lot of guys are hurting, um, as they should be. They've, they've invested a unbelievable amount into this season. Um, but the, the biggest thing is that w- with a locker room like this under – uh, with with those failed expectations, um, I know I know they're going to grow closer, not further apart, and that's important in this this part of the year because um, you know we'll have a a division crown to play for next week, and that's what we'll have to take everything that we've learned, good, bad, and indifferent, and apply it next week um, because it's a uh, you know if we would have said that. Um, after week four or whatever, if that we, you know, we're going to play this, this Buffalo team again, and it will be the last game of the season and it'll be for the, um, the division crown. I think everyone would have accepted that. So there's, there's some perspective that, that the, um, you know, I talked to the team about and their, their eyes were laser focused, um, and they will be eager to, uh, wash away this past game and the only way you can do that is prepare for the next one so we're going to get into all of the what's ahead next week what has to happen and why the sky hasn't completely fallen but i will give you guys a bit of a spoiler in that regard i'm going to raise some things that have concerned me that now have kind of come to a head here in week 17 we'll talk about that in the podcast let's go ahead though as we do every single sunday night on the recap show break down the dolphins and ravens from a statistics perspective and it was even early i I tweeted out and probably gonna wind up on freezing cold takes that i thought these were the two best teams in the afc by a pretty wide margin and that was when the score was 14 to 10 with miami having a 20 yard advantage a five play advantage and almost identical time of possession because miami in these games against these teams have gone toe to toe for the most part and then there's like two eight minute spans against buffalo and against the ravens where things didn't go their way and that reduce or produces i should say completely lopsided scores that make you come away from these games with a very, very sour taste in your mouth. Dolphins fans are right to feel very 
I mean, betrayed by your expectations, but just ultimately let down by the Dolphins' inability to compete in a game like this uh, with such such magnitude, such really high level achievement on the line for what you could have been this season if you had won this game and of course next season and all the stuff that is more important to achieve is still there but to put this showing out in that fashion on that stage with everyone talking about how fun this game was and Miami's chance to go in there and upset the Ravens very disappointing and you are 100% justified and feeling like crap on your New Year's Eve and into New Year's Day as you hear this podcast actually just want to go ahead and put that out there let's go ahead and get over these stats 24 20 in the first downs. The Ravens were only four for seven on third down because, quite frankly, they just never really had to deal with them. Miami was six for 15, which was competitive for a long time. Two for four on fourth was Miami. Baltimore, one for one. That one towards the end of the half where they get seven instead of a potential long uh, Justin Tuck field goal attempt. They outgain Miami 491 to 375. They get. Let's see. One turnover to Miami's three. The Dolphins got sacked three times. Lamar got sacked just one time in the game. They had seven penalties. We had five. And they had the ball for 30 minutes, 23 seconds. So Miami had the ball for just, you know, uh, what, 23 seconds short of 30 on their own side. They had more passing, 331, 221, and just a bit more rushing, 160 to 154. So I mentioned the way the game started off, and I thought Miami had a fantastic plan. And with the Ravens having their injuries of their own, thought that Miami was going to find a way to march up and down the field and have an MVP type of performance from Tua and Tyreek and just score 40 points and go win this thing because they go eight plays, 75 yards. A-Chan, 25-yard opening screen. Tyreek with a tough catch on the back shoulder for 12 yards. Ingold gets a little play action rollout for 18 from Tua. We're cooking. A-Chan, 12 yards, puts up a first and goal. And then we get a one-yard run, a second down incomplete, and then Tua threads the needle on an absolute laser into Cedric Wilson, who ran a fantastic route with a little shake to the outside, bend that thing back inside, right behind the hook linebacker, right in front of the coverage safety. And I, I told Ju- Juice and Seth this. I thought Tua was a fraction of a hair, not even a full hair, a fraction of a hair late. And that's why there was contested a contested catch rather than just a, a touchdown catch, then a collision. But either way, great play by Cedric to hang on to that thing. Great job by Tua to widen the hook and pump that thing in there. And we're cooking a third down conversion in low and mid red zone. That's like MVP stuff, right? But then Baltimore gets it and all already third and 16 after an offensive pass interference, after they dropped a deep shot down the field to a wide open Rashad Bateman against Xavier Howard, who got beat badly on the play. You're thinking third and 16, ball going to come right back, going to go score again. This is going to be the Dolphins' day, except it it wasn't at all because they gave up a first down on a screen pass. Open field tackling an issue. We'll hear that from head coach Mike McDaniel here in just a second. And then it's bang, 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 wide open spaces. Guys running clean. Flowers goes 25 yards in a corner out around Deshaun Elliott, Gus Edwards, then Bateman for 14. Lamar just beats the blitz with a quick shot. Like Lamar was on his absolute stuff in this game. Then they get the wheel route and they got caught on the offensive pass interference. Only this time they hit it as Duke Riley tries to work under the cut, under the natural rub, and it's an easy touchdown. Just the offense looked, or the defense rather, looked so out of sorts. Receivers wide open. The ball right on time. No pressure on Lamar. Just an absolute regression from what we've seen from this Dolphins defense on that drive, and it would continue throughout the day. But the Dolphins offense, like that Buffalo game, takes the football right back and marches down the field, six plays, 65 yards. You get an 18-yard capital A anticipation strike, as JTL Sullivan would say, from Tyreek, or from two of the Tyreek, rather. Then Achan cruises for a 45-yard run after really fantastic edges by Julian Hill and Durham Smythe, and Cedric Wilson gets a, a crack back, and Craycraft is downfield leading a big block. 
okay, here we go. This is the offense that we know we have against a banged up Ravens defense. Let's go score 40 points, right? Then we get a loss and a short gain on to, to HN. And then Tyreek has a, another great ball from Tua. A little anticipation popped to the back of the end zone. And it's a room service catch. Tyreek's made this catch 3,000 times this year in practice, on air, off the jugs machine. Can't squeeze it. Goes out the back of the end zone. Kick a field goal. Take a 10-7 lead. And then you get a stop. Four-play, 17-yard drive. A stop where Zach Sealer has an awesome rep. There's a great coverage sack where they just basically rush their lane, stay in good position. I think it was Sealer who got the sack who walked the guard back for the, the ultimate tackle of Lamar Jackson. But good rush lane integrity, good coverage downfield. Lamar has to scramble on third and 25, and you get him off the field. But then Miami's offense gets it back, and they punt it after what I thought was the first instance of the Ravens getting Tua off of his rhythm after he converts a third and five for 20 yards to Durham Smythe, who, by the way, do we have a new seam buster in Durham Smythe? Like, this guy's catching all kinds of passes in that part of the field, and the way he blocks on the edge... Glad we got that guy locked up here because he looks pretty impressive the last few weeks in this offense. But then they got pressure on two where I thought his feet kind of got ugly where when they pressured him when he was in the middle of his drop, sometimes he's very good about interrupting that drop and going and making a play elsewhere. But sometimes I feel like the feet get a little bit clunky and they did right here and he takes a sack and then he throws a ball to Cedric Wilson. They're out on the same page, ball a little bit inside. Cedric's inside, uh, outside of that ball and it almost gets picked, but eventually just a Dolphins punt. But still... It's 10 to 7. You feel good about it, right? But then the Ravens march 89 yards on 10 plays, and it was almost exclusively through the running game. Zach Sealer got banged up on this drive and was kind of dragging his arm alongside him, but he comes back into the game and continued to make plays the rest of the day. Just an absolute warrior instead of a football player that he is. But they went, after Sealer went down, three runs, 24 yards, a 14-yard completion in there as well. You get a great play from Sealer and, and Elliott against a screen that looks like it's wide open, but then Odell Beckham makes that fantastic catch on the sideline. And I thought his hand shifted off the football, but he ultimately controlled it, so I get why it's upheld like that. First and goal with a three, running for a touchdown right after that, 14-10. to 10. But then Miami's offense gets the ball back once again and marches down the field 49 yards on 11 plays. They ultimately wind up having to kick a field goal because they bogged down, but you continue to get more production, including another third down conversion from Tua to Durham Smythe with a great throw on a little high-low concept that kind of caught the defense flat-footed, and they pick up another third long. That's why I'm going to get to this, but I had Tua in my takeaways originally as a potential like Tua quote-unquote trying to be funny legacy game because he was playing so well in these such high leverage positions and putting Miami in positions to go win a football game but then they kick the ball back off to the Ravens in a 14-13 game and it's a one play 75 yard touchdown because we get caught on the exact same exit motion whatever you want to call that cheat motion I don't know what it is where Tyreek starts in and runs out into his pattern they run that play and we bust it. Like Eli Apple and Deshaun Elliott, not on the same page there. It's a walk-in room service touchdown for 75 yards to their fantastic rookie Zay Flowers. That's 21-13. All right, you're still not in bad shape, right? Because there's 2.58 to play in the fo- in the first half, and you have a red-hot offense that's playing really well this, this whole season and this game, and you march it right down the field once again. Four yards, or 15 yards rather, to Von Achan. 17 to Durham Smythe. Again, right down the seam. But then as the clock hits the two-minute mark, I thought they were going to blow it dead because it did hit the two-minute warning, but they also get that same little grace that you get on a a delay of game call, right? Which I think is probably what happened there. But Tua tries to force a shot in here in between two 
in between two Ravens defenders, and it winds up being a fantastic one-handed pick by Patrick Queen. And that was kind of the story of the day at this point going forward was the, the Ravens linebackers ability to get depth and interrupt the passing game and then a running game that was either kind of explosive play or short gain and nothing at all. And that's kind of where they took over. And this play right here, Tua just doesn't, just kind of stares onto this one play and throws a bad a bad ball into a bad spot where he didn't use any type of manipulation and it results in a big big pick and the Ravens wind up going four plays 38 dry 38 yards to score a touchdown on the other side because of a fourth and seven conversion where we get a big third down pass breakup from Eli Apple and another a pressure by Chubb and David Long that winds up forcing a long third and seven they miss that third and seven and on the fourth and seven Javon Holland slips and falls to the turf on Isaiah Likely, who in then turn makes his own one-handed catch and beats our man coverage and goes right down the field for a 36-yard touchdown. So you had two plays for two yards in that drive to start, or rather three plays for two yards, and then you get 36 on the back end for a touchdown from Lamar Jackson to Isaiah Likely. So just the, these big moments, not making the play, us dropping a touchdown in the back of the end zone, then making two one-handed catches to flip the game from possibly 21 to 16, maybe even 21-20, or even 21 to 13. Flipping it from that to 28-13, it's almost, almost good night, nurse. It puts you in a position where you can make it so on the other side of the two-minute warning. So just tough looks. I mean, two of a mistake. Javon Holland gets beat on that play. Tyreek Hill a mistake. Some offensive line protection issues where they get through the sack. Just little a busted coverage leads to a big touchdown. Little mistakes against teams like this is how this will wind up going, and that's who the Dolphins have been this year. That's who they've proven to be this year, 17 weeks into the season. Miami gets the ball back, six plays, 13 yards. They call the offensive pass interference on Cedric Wilson, which doesn't matter now. Never would have made a difference in the game, but that was a call that I can't fathom. He kind of like just ran by the guy and got called OPI for it. You wind up not scoring. The, the Ravens get it back, take it to the end of the half and it's 28 to 13, and you're thinking, okay, get a stop, get a ball back, go score, and you're right back in the game. Didn't go that way at all because the Ravens take a big kickoff return. So now we've introduced the third phase that gets beat in this game, the special teams into this equation, and all they need is three plays and 16 yards to go score a touchdown because of a huge kick return, two chunk gains, and then once again, they bust, not the busted coverage, but the front side blocker on play action leaks to the backside of the formation and no one goes with him. It happened three times in this game for scores. So it happens again here. It was one of six touchdown passes in the game for the Ravens, five for Lamar Jackson, one for uh, Tyler Huntley. Let's go ahead and close up this first segment the same way we started it with Coach McDaniel explaining the six passing touchdowns of the Ravens and how the defense can get that fixed. Prided ourselves on, uh, you know, if you're going to score, you're going to have to earn it. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, we, we haven't had many run-in touchdowns or, or that many run-in touchdowns as we had this game, which is a function of um, tackling. It's a, it's a, you know, it's to their credit, um, I think they uh, had a good game plan and got their players that are pretty good in space. In space, however, um, you know I'm I'm confident saying before watching the film that you know we're we're going to be very very uh, we're not going to be happy with the way that we we tackled in open space. So we got to get down to the bottom of that, um, which uh, you know I'm very confident that we will and. You know, we have a lot of talented, prideful, invested players um, that that know that's not the that's 
not what they've created um, with the Dolphins uh, this season and uh, will be very, very highly motivated to uh, get that stuff corrected in a short amount of time. And that's what it takes to get, get something like that corrected uh, is high motivation because you don't have that much time to do it. Let's go ahead and take our halftime break right there after the opening drive of the second half. It's 35-13 Ravens. We'll come back. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. I can wrap up the game as well as the five big picture takeaways and hear more from Tua Tungavailoa. That's all next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Left off the first half of the Drive Time Podcast, or the first segment, I should say, with a 35-13 Ravens advantage. Miami gets the football back and goes four plays and punts after an opening run from Devon Achan, where Miami's found these chunk gains, man. They, they get big gains on first down to open the drive and puts themselves just a couple of first downs away from field goal range. It's been cool to see, but then you go backwards, a short run, a sack, and a false start makes it third and 16, check it down, punt the ball away. And then you're thinking, one more score here, it's probably Curtin's. But you don't get that. You get a hustle play from the guy that we talked about who took an injury in the first quarter and Zach Sealer. They go five plays, 30 yards. You force a third and 10, and they get a wide open, another one of these coverages, uh, like man coverage mesh, where they just rub us in the middle of the field and get a guy running free up the sideline for a big gain. But right after that play, Zach Sealer on first down stays with a play that gets out ahead of him. He chases it down from the back and knocks the football out of the ball carrier's hands, and Javon Holland comes up and recovers. And you're thinking, hey, we came back on this team down three touchdowns last year. Let's do that again. Very first play, Tua gets picked off. He tried a window that was sort of there, but Patrick Queen got really good depth on that second, uh, on that drop. And you can in that situation because the run game down by that much, probably not going to happen too much. And I, I, I took this out of the takeaways in the fourth quarter because of the shape of the game. But I did have a Tua takeaway that I'll just go ahead and talk about here briefly. And I jokingly call it the Tua legacy game takeaway, like trying to be funny about it. Because early, because I have downplayed the idea of a 25-year-old having a legacy game, right? It's, it's kind of silly in practice. But early, I thought he was defining himself in a pretty cool way where when things would get wonky, he was kind of having solves, those third down plays. He was thinking quickly, getting the ball out, putting it on target, some big touchdowns on third down, finding Durham for chunks, getting the good run looks, the screen game going. Looked like an MVP type performance, right? But then things got sideways and he made a bad decision, uh, made a bad throw. Then he comes back on the other side and presses and makes a really bad choice, as you'll hear from him right here. I, I sort of held my eyes a little long um, on, on the first interception. And then with the second interception, because of the score, I mean, they, they didn't really need to, to uh, do much. They, they try to keep everything in front of them. They were dropping. Um, 
And that was just a poor decision on my part, trying to trying to throw it over a backer to get that to Tyreek when uh, could have just checked the ball down. So I got to be better on that part. So just to kind of finish the book here on Tua for this game and, and this at this juncture of his career, like he talks about taking those steps. I think he has improved in a lot of ways and learning from those mistakes. And coach loves to reference the Baltimore game last year, the second pick. I, I remember it like it was yesterday because I've seen that game 24 times when he tries to shoot that one deep after we go, we get behind the scoreboard and Marcus Williams makes a great play on the football and picks it off. And he talked about how Tua kind of was able to process that real time and improve right there. But it's frustrating when you see those mistakes occur continually. And they're not like super continuously, but they have happened several times since then. So it's a little bit annoying. But I also acknowledge that he's a 25-year-old quarterback who's playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the league the last two years. And I think about Lamar Jackson on the other side, who has had all these regular season accolades, records, and cool numbers, and rushing touchdowns, and such electric highlights and plays. But to this point, is still 1-3 in the playoffs and was a 14-2 and quarterback and MVP who got bounced in the first round and this label developed around this great quarterback that he can't win a big football game. And that I'm sure that will change this year. They did win a wild card playoff game a couple years ago in the postseason, and I'm sure it will change this year, but that would only further prove the point, right? Like this whole idea of you're not a big-time team or a big-time player in these certain moments is true until it's not, and then once it's not, it's almost kind of silly to think about in hindsight. Does that make sense? Like, Look, it's okay to be upset that you didn't get the big wins is what I'm trying to say for a team and a quarterback. Like in in this instance, the season isn't even over yet. I get when the season's over, but in this instance, the season's not over. In fact, it's far from it. There's a chance this is kind of a silly footnote when you look back on it, but also just remember for, for a quarterback here who's so damn good with his vision and accuracy, anticipation, all that stuff, the more Tua gets games like these, the more situations he has, the more disappointments and failures he experiences while also having the success, you know, on a grander scale, the better he'll be for it. So that's kind of where I I internalize this. And I know the natural reaction for people when things don't go well for your football team or your sports team, especially in 2023 is to cut bait, move on, find replacements. How's it going to get better? It can only get better with exterior help. That's far from how I view things, especially with the success we've seen from this particular squad and this quarterback in particular, this head coach, I'm excited about the fact that they're achieving this in their second year together in a program where I think the more time we get, the more it just gets better and it becomes more second nature and those mistakes don't happen. And you get to a big game where you are the team that is like, yeah, this is a week 17 business as usual. Because for us right now, that's not who we are. But I think for this team to grow and experience and learn this stuff together, I hope we have this core nucleus together for a long time because I do believe it's something special. And I think that these moments will harden the team and ultimately there'll be a hump to get over and it could be next week, right? Consider that. It could be next week. But eventually there'll be a hump this team has to climb. And when you get over it, it's going to feel even better. And I have such faith that this is a group that can do it for us. So that's kind of my Tua takeaway mid-podcast there. And we'll get more into the, the team's overall sentiment. That might have been the first takeaway in general right there that I have for you guys. Let's go ahead and keep moving in the game as I speak very quickly here. Ravens go three and out. You get the football right back. And then it's a Dolphins touchdown. All of a sudden, you're in position to maybe make a push at this thing. 14 plays, 78 yards, a fourth and four conversion to Braxton Barrios on a speed out. Good timing there from Tua. Good catch from Braxton. Then you get a third down touchdown reception from Devon Achan, who went over 150 all per, or rather yards from scrimmage in this one and scored another touchdown. So 
Good to see that weapon back in full charge, and hopefully Raheem Mostert is back with him next week. But the defense then, seven plays, 75 yards. Ravens go up 42-19, and really it's two plays. A 27-yard strike to Bateman to put it in the plus territory, and then a 41-yard Justice Hill run, and that's kind of ball game at that point. They get another little throwback against the grain for a touchdown third and goal to freaking Patrick Ricard, who's like 300 pounds, and makes a one-handed catch. So they're partying. They're having fun. It's 42-19. We turn it over on downs. Tua gets knocked out of the game with an injury. He said after the game that it was just soreness and he'll be fine. The Ravens throw a touchdown, or rather get another touchdown pass, just boom, boom, boom in the run game. We fumble it on the opening play of the next series. A pitch from Mike White to Chris Brooks cannot be executed, and they throw a pass into the end zone for a touchdown, 56-19. We also lose Bradley Chubb to what looks like an ACL in that play. That's what the reports or the Dolphins are fearing right now. Of course, we'll have more on Monday with official MRI as well as with Xavier Howard, but it sounds like Tua will be okay as far as he is concerned from his from his own mouth, right? Just soreness in that shoulder. So a cavalcade of misery in that game. And I, I hope this podcast was therapeutic. It was for me. Uh, we have five takeaways still to get to, which we'll go ahead and start that right now. But I just... Golly, I, I wrote F me on my, on my notes here because that's how I felt after the game. That's kind of how I feel right now. First takeaway. Uh, so we'll get to the, the second takeaway is like my first takeaway, but I layered this in this order for a reason. And the first one that I wanted to touch on was what happens in the middle seven portion of the game. Because like I said, 21-13, 2.58 to go in the first half. They get the ball to start the second half. What's going to happen here? You can seize control of the game or at least put yourself back in position to compete going forward if you seize this opportunity right here, but it didn't happen that way. In fact, it comically happened in the entire converse way. You get an interception where we're moving the ball, boom, 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 down to midfield. Tua makes a poor decision. Uh, I I kind of wish they would have just gone to the two-minute warning there and let that clock run a little bit more and run a play on that side, but that's not what happened. You throw the ball into a tight window, and Patrick Queen, this team makes you pay. That's There's a reason they have now 29 takeaways on the season. They came in with 26 uh, they just, that's what they do. They take the ball, they take the football away from you. And that's what Patrick Queen did here. Then you get the ball back um, after that and you punt it. After they score their touchdown, they make it 28-13. They punt the ball back. Then they get the opening p- possession, the opening kickoff and march the kickoff all the way into scoring territory. And then they score quickly after that. And it's 35-13 with just 31 and a half minutes into the game. So the last three minutes of the first half, the first really minute and a half of the second half was where the game was basically got out of hand. And that's, it just... My, the Dolphins dominated that area of the game last week. A touchdown to go ahead at the end of the first half, 13-6, to six over or 13-7 rather, over Dallas, and then a game-winning drive where you milk the entire clock to put it at triple zeros when the kick goes through to win the football game. Perfection one week, abject disaster the next. It's funny how that works in the National Football League. Takeaway number two is something that that's, to me, a, a bit of a one-off, I think, the way the end-of-half, end-of-game situation went because that's something this team has been so locked in and so solid on really since Mike McDaniel got here. A bit of a one-off there. I think takeaway number two is who you are. It's mistakes in big games in the biggest spots. And I'm not saying it's who you are going to be forever, but right now it's who you are, right? Because you can change it next week. That's all fine and well, but right now it's who you are. The third and 16 on the opening drive, and they eventually score a touchdown there. That can't happen. I mean, I I just watched the Bengals convert a fourth and 18 to keep a game alive. They eventually lost to Kansas City. But come on, man, that can't happen. A a touchdown dropped in the back of the end zone where you have opening two drive touchdowns marched down the field. Your quarterback's going to be feeling good. Your offense is going to be feeling good. Your defense, everyone's going to be feeling good, and you drop it in the back of the end zone. And, like, look, Tyreek's, 
broken the franchise record back-to-back years, his first two years here. The greatest trade in Miami Dolphins history, arguably one of the greatest players in the history of the franchise already just two years in. But gosh, man, let's make a play in a big game. The drop touchdown against the Eagles, the fumble against the Chiefs, the drop touchdown here. It's just like these are things your best players have to rise up and make big plays. And this is a guy that's caught game-changing 40-yard passes to set up a game-winning field goal or touchdown drive in the Super Bowl. Like he's done that. Just It's just frustrating to me. You bust a coverage on a 75-yard touchdown pass that you see in practice every single day. How does that happen? Fourth and seven, we slip and fall down on man coverage for a 36-yard touchdown. Like, I said comical because at a certain point, it just gets to where you... Like, I laughed. I, I, I chuckled. It was a natural reaction to chuckle when Tua threw that second pick because the minute they gave us some life and some hope, it went the other way. And I was just, like, was defeated in that moment. It, you've been in these spots all year, and fortunately, it has not doomed you yet. You're not to that time of year. And hopefully those experiences, like I talked about, can build a callus that allows us to make those plays in those big spots. Because when I talked to Charles Davis and I asked him about the emotion coming off of a big win over Dallas versus their big win over the Niners last week, forgot for a second, how would the emotional disparity of those two teams and what they had to output, especially with the Ravens coming off of a six day uh, or a short week of rest, how would that impact the team? And he was like, this is business as usual for the Baltimore Ravens. And that's a really, really good point. So we haven't developed that yet. Hopefully it's coming, but in this game, in this season, it's been it's been what you've been. The Eagles, two-third downs and long in the start of the fourth quarter of a seven-point game. They get seven on third and eight and five on fourth and six, and what do they do but tush-push to first downs on the next couple of plays? It's just frustrating. It's the cause of those nerves you feel throughout the course of these big games before the game. I had so much nervous energy today, I don't even freaking play. What's wrong with me? But it's because of this, because of the big moments that you have not really played your best football at. Now, we did execute the big moments against the Cowboys, and Seth was great to point that out to me on the post-game show. So it's not every time. It's not every time, and you've done it last year too. So it's not every time, but damn it, it feels like it right now. The big takeaway, you know, you give it right back, three and out. A long touchdown drive, but you scheme up an open two-point corner drag for variation of smash. The ball is there, but we can't convert. We can't catch it. It's a drop. And then... A, a perfect pass to Claypool with 50 seconds left in the third quarter that cost you two minutes of game clock, which at that time was important. The game didn't play out that way, but at that time was important. Just consistently making these big, big, big errors. It has to change. It can change next week. I hope it does. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there. Come back on the other side. Talk about next week. Talk about the injuries. Talk about the defense. That's all coming up. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from The Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places takeaways one and two in the books from the Dolphins 
56 to 19 loss to the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens clinched the AFC North and the one seed in the AFC. More on that in just a moment. The third takeaway from this game, these are going to be brief. The long-term impact will not not be felt from this because Bradley Chubb's injury did not look good like we talked about. The early fear is an ACL getting carted off. That's what it looked like when he left the field, right? We'll find out more on Monday. Xavier Howard injured, leaves in a cart. Didn't look good. Shoe came off. That never looks good. Tua gets the injury that he had to leave the game with. Said he was okay, just soreness, but... I mean, you're down Connor Williams, uh, one of the most important pieces of your team, in my opinion, on the offensive line. You are down Robert Hunt, one of the best guards in the National Football League. You were down Raheem Mostert today, 21 touchdowns for that guy this year. You were down Jalen Waddell, a guy that has three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons and game-breaking speed and ability. You were down Jalen Phillips, a guy that I thought could have had 12, 13, 14 sacks this year if he didn't get injured. You were down Jerome Baker, one of your longtime leaders, a middle linebacker. You lost Xavier Howard, one of the best cornerbacks in the franchise's history on the first drive of the game gosh it's tough to overcome all that takeaway number four the defense just got absolutely thrashed in this game right they got shredded first drive it was wide open and that's what we were so concerned about at the iheart stations me seth and oj was like okay we're okay if you get beat and they run the ball you know successfully and convert third downs but guys are running wide open what's going on here we got saved by a missed 40 50 yard player and by an offensive pass interference on that drive but that was pretty much the only time they got stopped the entire day we kick a field goal with three minutes left to play. We bust a coverage right after that. Eli Apple jumping inside in the motion we've seen so many times every day from this team in practice. You get a fourth down situation. Javon has a chance. A guy that you, you needed back so bad. And we can't cover one-on-one situation. We fall down in front of the play. 36-yard touchdown. All those coverage blitz busts. But without blitzing, there's not even any... Like, usually if you have guys open on the back end, it's because you committed up front. But we weren't even doing that. So just a really, really poor defensive performance in this game evident by 56 points. Lamar had a perfect passer rating on the day. And in fact, in his career against the Miami Dolphins, he has a perfect passer rating in the first half. Going to have to find a solution to that. In fact, you're going to have to find a solution to your pass defense in general and do it in six days, as Coach had mentioned earlier on the soundbite we played previously in the podcast. Takeaway number 15. What do we have ahead in week 18? I'm already over this game. I don't want to... We'll do the film podcast tomorrow. Probably going to be briefer than usual, but I want to move on to the Bills game here, man. We'll watch the tape, but let's talk about this now. So a very fun option now exists on the table. You guys ready for that option? Are we still sad? Either way, here it is. Beat the Bills, win the division, get the two seed. Awesome. Great. Buffalo would be the seven seed and you would get a rematch against them unless, unless Jacksonville beats the Titans in a game that they need for the AFC South championship and the Titans are playing off a string. And it looks like they lost lost Will Levis today. We'll see if he starts next week, but Ryan Tannehill finished that game. And the Steelers beat a Ravens team who came into this one awfully banged up as banged up as us and perform better than us. But with a lot of those key guys being fringe plays, you have to imagine with the one seed locked up, you can rest up and get almost a full strength in the divisional round that they'll play in here in a few weeks. Also, do they play Lamar? I bet he starts the game, but we'll see if he finishes it just, it's a lot on the table there for the Ravens in that game to sit guys. But if you get that result, if you get a win over Buffalo, you get a Jacksonville win over the Titans and a Steelers win over the Ravens, resting their starters, potentially. Your wild card matchup would be Pittsburgh down here in two weeks. And if you won that game, depending on how some of these matchups go in week 18, you'd be home with the divisional, that's for sure. And the potential matchups would be then the three-seeded Kansas City Chiefs who are locked into that spot right now. You wouldn't play the, You would not play the potential six seed Texans or Colts, who are the only two teams that can get that seed right now, because they play each other and the winner gets the spot, and the loser goes home. It would either be the three seeded Chiefs if they win their wild card weekend game against uh, Houston or Indy, 
or the winner of Jacksonville Cleveland. That's the options. So still could potentially put yourself in a really good position to make a run deep into the postseason. Let's go ahead and hear from Tua on the filling of the locker room and get the heck out of here. Uh, playing the standard that we, we wanted to play. And uh, when those standards aren't met, um, you know, feels like uh, it, it's very disappointing. And so I would say in the locker room that that's sort of the feel, but um, you got a lot of leaders and a lot of the guys stepping up to, you know, get our guys going for, for next week and, and the games to follow. I mean, we, we still got a lot, of, a lot of football left to play. So there you go. Tua says it best right there, I think. And so those are your potential first-round options. At home against the Steelers. Could be at home against the Buffalo Bills. Could be on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's what you're looking at. Next week, we'll determine that all. I believe we'll have the... I'm, not, I'm recording this at about 8 o'clock on Sunday, so I don't have the time for the game, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be Dolphins and Bills on Sunday night. I'll go ahead and follow up on Twitter. Let's go ahead and get out of here for this podcast. Thank you guys that stuck with me here and took the therapy session in stride. Subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Follow me on social at NFL. Check out my Fish Tank boys, Seth and Juice, and their great episodes. They do every single week on Tuesdays. The YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Carolina Cameron, I'll see you this week.